Welcome to the Naples Community Church Podcast with Pastor Kurt Anderson. Thank you for joining us today. We hope you find this sermon inspires you, builds your faith, and gives you perspective to see God moving in your life. We trust God has great things in store for you. Enjoy today's message. Well, about 700 years before Jesus was born, the Babylonians came into Jerusalem and wrecked the place. They tore down the temple and took a bunch of people off into exile. And they took the brightest and the best of Jerusalem, all the leadership and their families. It was a horrific time. And those who happened to be living in flyover country, out in the farms and and down by the down by the Mediterranean, they got they got away with it. But the, the city people, the leadership, all got hauled off. This is what is called the Babylonian exile, as we've referred to that. That it, it lasted for about fifty to seventy years. There were several de- deportations and several returns. And as they were away from home, they struggled with what it meant to be homeless, what it meant to be uprooted. They longed for Jerusalem. And some of the Psalms recount this. How can we sing the Lord's song in a foreign land? And they would even wish they had an opportunity to, to get them back. Some Psalms that we ordinarily don't even read in church because they're so rough. So the people are hurting They're suffering. And Isaiah the prophet comes and and announces to them that their deliverance is on the way. And so I'm reading from the 40th chapter of Isaiah, and it is the chapter that in the King James Version is the version that Handel used in his Messiah. Hear the word of God as it comes to us from the prophet Isaiah. Comfort, comfort my people, says your God. Speak tenderly to Jerusalem. Tell her that her sad days are gone and her sins are pardoned. Yes, the Lord has punished her twice over for all her sins. Listen, it's the voice of someone shouting, clear the way through the wilderness for the Lord. Make a straight highway through the wasteland for our God. Fill in the valleys and level the mountains and hills. Straighten the curves and smooth out the rough places. Then the glory of the Lord will be revealed and all the people will see it together. The Lord has spoken. A voice said, shout. I asked, what should I shout? Shout that the people are like grass. Their beauty fades as quickly as the flowers in the field. The grass withers and the flowers fade beneath the breath of the Lord. And so it is with the people. The grass withers and the flowers fade. But the word of our God stands forever. O Zion, messenger of good news, shout from the mountaintops. Shout it louder, O Jerusalem. Shout and do not be afraid. Tell the towns of Judah, your God is coming. Yes, the sovereign Lord is coming in power. He will rule with a powerful arm. See, he brings his reward with him as he comes. He will feed his flock like a shepherd. He will carry the lambs in his arms, 
holding them close to his heart. He will gently lead the mother sheep with their young. God had his understanding to this hearing of his word. I served a church in Ventura, California for seven years and um, have a few of my parishioners that are Facebook friends. And I, I caught a Facebook post from one of my uh, parishioners and it was an angry post, angry. There's a park in Ventura where I used to referee, or I used to umpire baseball games and my son played Little League beautiful valley and below the baseball fields was an open park where families would go with at, at different times and you know and at any time you could see it particularly on a Sunday afternoon huge gatherings of people with smoke billowing out of barbecues and kids running around and and grandparents sitting at the at the picnic table and everyone's talking and laughing and they weren't supposed to but they would sneak beer in there and uh, it was just a wonderful family community setting. Well, his post showed that park full of tents. Those little pup tent type things. And he expressed anger at the, the homelessness that has become endemic in so much of California. And for whatever the cause, People can't afford housing. They can't afford to live there. And so they do what they have to do. They set up, they set up a tent and, and, they, and the parks at least have restroom facilities. But as we all have heard so many times, some of the city streets of San Francisco and LA do not. And it's a, a very sad scene. And people who are homeless it destroys them. It wrecks them. And it's, it's harmful to a community. It's, it's harmful to everyone. There's no one who isn't hurt by the crisis of homelessness. And, and so it's a, it's a huge problem there. But as I, as I, you know, I, I, there's, a, there's a pastor and friend of mine who has said that that any time a cell phone rings, that person has to give $100 to the church. Thank you for your generosity. <laughs> but the homeless issue, the homeless issue is, is real. And Jesus was homeless when he was born. I mean, it was like Jesus was born in one of those parks. He and his family were not in, in a house. They were certainly not home, not even in a house, certainly not a hospital. And, and their circumstance, the circumstances into which he was born was hurtful, harmful, destructive. Just think, we think about bacteria and all that sort of thing. Think about the circumstances he was born into. A homeless Lord, a homeless Jesus. And, and yet, it is perhaps most appropriate that Jesus was born into the least of all possible circumstances. That there is, that there is 
no one who entered this life under lesser circumstances than our Lord. He understands what it is to be in such a horrific situation as that. So he identifies with, with our suffering and the, the people of God in the story of Babylon were suffering. They were away, they were homeless. They probably had better circumstances than pup tents in a park in Babylon, but it was awful for them. They were uprooted. They were without, without their home, without a sense of, of future, without a sense of what it meant to be there and how do they, how do they restore their life. They longed for Jerusalem. They talked about it. They thought about it. They wanted to be there. And a whole generation passed. Those who were exiled, with perhaps a few exceptions, never made it back. They died in exile. So the word of God comes. Comfort these people. Comfort them. Tell them that their, their sin, well, they've suffered twice as much as was ever necessary for their sin. And isn't that the case for us when we do something, when we know we've sinned and we've befall some hardship, we, we think we've brought it on ourselves and, and maybe we have. And maybe the best thing in the world for us to do is to think humbly about the consequences of our choices. But the Lord, of, the Lord God says to them, comfort these people. They've suffered enough. They've been through so much. They've died in exile. They want to be home. And so the word of God comes to them. And we have this image. Let all the mountains and hills be laid low. Let the valleys be lifted up. Let the rough places be made plain. Let the crooked places be made straight. So we're going to create in the desert, in the wilderness, this, this highway, a straight road. And the people are thinking, great, we're going home. A freeway paved between Babylon and Jerusalem. We're going home. But Isaiah says that this road is for God. The road that is to be paved in the wilderness is for God. There is no promise in this that they get to go home. They instead are promised the presence of God. I wonder what they thought. What a disappointment. I mean, you know how that is. When we're in a tough place, when we're in a place where we're in anguish, or we're being torn apart on the inside, or we might be in a situation where we're, we're suffering, our health is, is broken, and we want to get out of it. And our long prayer list is a long list because we have a lot of people who are in those circumstances. And, and what we want 
If we're broke, we want money. If we have bad health, we want healing. If we're lonely, we want people. And it just sounds like church talk to say, well, here's God for you. The Lord is with you. And we hear that, and it can be something of a disappointment because we don't see things the way God does. We don't understand the realities of this life as God does. So instead, God says, knowing their suffering, knowing what they've been through, knowing their hardship, knowing how destructive it is for them to be away from their home, God says, I'm coming to you. A promise is that God will deliver them. Well, what does that deliverance mean? What does it look like? What does it feel like? But the gift of God is a gift of himself, his own self. And that's the declaration, the core declaration of Christmas. Anything else is not nearly, doesn't run nearly as deep, it doesn't tap deeply enough. Because think about it. Times when you've been broke and you manage to get out of that difficulty again, well, those times are long forgotten. Times when you were lonely and then you reconnected with some people, the time of loneliness is long forgotten. So we are, in a sense, we're way too easily satisfied. We're too easily satiated for the things that we want and things that we need. And so we long for home. That's our true longing. We want to be home. I know some of you are heading to some very cold place up north for Christmas. You want to get that, you know, Dickensian experience by going north. And um, there's always that anticipation of being home for Christmas. And of course, the songs, Christmas songs and everything else. But once we get there, there's always a little bit of a pinch of disappointment because something is not going to be the same. Somehow the longing that we know in the depths of our hearts to be home even though we think as we return that it's going to be satisfied, there's always something. I remember going back and thinking, it's going to be great to see my, my family in Spokane. And my dad's older brother, Uncle Eskel, came over. And I hadn't seen Eskel in some time. And I... He'd... he'd Developed dementia. Brilliant man. And he could follow, hardly follow the conversations. I left a twist in my gut and an empty place in my heart. Somehow, when we go home, we never really get there. There's always that longing. Somehow, we, we live this life in so many ways trying to recreate what it is to be home. Back. Settled, comfortable again. 
I saw just a brief picture. I was online and I saw a brief picture of the mountains over Southern California. Mount Baldy at 10,000 feet, San Gregorio at 12, San Jacinto at 11, snow down to about 3,000 feet, magnificent picture. And I got that twist in my gut. So I grew up in Riverside, could see all those mountains from there. And that, that deep longing, and you know what I mean, we just have that in us. The desire somehow to be home, to get there. But it's elusive. The reality is that we are all of us in exile. We were not made for this world. We were not made for this place alone. And perhaps those experiences that we have of, of not being able to make it home, even though we try and try again, when it doesn't just all come together, maybe that's a reminder to all of us that we're not made for this world. C.S. Lewis, in his closing Chronicle of Narnia, The Last Battle, has one aspect in that story of Jewel the Unicorn, who at the end of the, the story, they're making it up from the old Narnia into that which represents the kingdom of God. Where they go, all the animals and the people of Narnia go further up and further in. And Jewel makes his way in. And he says, after he's passed by Aslan and he's in the new world, the new Narnia, he says, I have come home at last. I belong here. This is the land I've been looking for all my life, though I never knew it until now. The reason we love the old Narnia is because it sometimes looked a little like this. The reason we love this world so much, the reason why I see a picture of those mountains, the reason why a particular aroma excites and entices a, a particular memory is because every now and then this world looks a little like the world for which we have been made. But we are all of us homeless. We're all living in tents. And even in the Gospel of John, when it tells us how Christ came and dwelt among us, the language of the gospel is that he built his tent among us. For he too was homeless with us in our homelessness here. Living in Ventura was nice because it was 1,200 miles from Spokane. Home. It's where mom and dad are. And home was never about the house house was always kind of, well, something always needed to be fixed. Whenever I went home, I was always fixing something. Painting or plumbing was broken or a roof leaked or whatever it may be. It wasn't, wasn't the house. But I remember one time after that 1,200-mile drive, it was late in the afternoon when we arrived. 
And the kids got bounding out of the car, went running into the house. And I saw my eldest daughter, Erin, maybe about six or seven years old, going into the kitchen. The kitchen smelled thick with Rice Krispie treats. And there was mom. And Aaron went running up to her and she buried her face in mother's dress. And mother gave her a hug and said, oh honey, it's so good to see you. And my youngest Amy went into the den and there was dad sitting in his chair and Amy just dove into him. And dad laughed and hugged her and kissed her. That was a little like home. It was a little bit like home. Because it was the presence, the presence of these people, the presence, the relationships of being loved. Home is ultimately a relationship. As when, when Isaiah tells us that, he's, that there's this freeway coming, it's for God to come to us. Because home is our relationship with him. To be fully known, fully embraced, fully loved. And he will carry us as a shepherd carries its sheep. He will love us. He will lead us. He will care for us. And we will know that we're home. That is the great promise of Christmas time. Will you bow with me in prayer? Oh Lord, how you do tell us in advance of what is to come. And what is to come is that which has come so many times to us. And that is your presence, your love, your embrace. Oh Lord, thank you that this is not all there is. Flower fades, the grass withers. Thank you, O Lord, that we have a home that is forever, secured for us by the gift of your Son, our Savior Christ, in whose name we pray. Amen. If you enjoyed today's podcast, there are a few things you can do. Be sure to subscribe, rate, and review this podcast. For more information, you can visit us online at www.naplescommunitychurch.org. If you happen to be visiting Naples, please drop in for our Sunday service at 10 a.m. We'd love to meet you. Thanks again for joining us. Have a fabulous day.